It's still technically the year of Luigi. You don't want to play as him in the new Mario game. I don't want to? No, he's terrible. Shut up. Fuck you. What? Okay, hold on. We gotta- <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. It's November 26, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 134. I am Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And we are joined by our friend Patrick Klepik. You're right. You sound like you thought about that. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first person to get my name wrong. Well, I just I oh, thought no, no. I thought maybe you had a nickname of some kind. Yeah, kind. no, I was just making sure. I don't know. I, I was making mm. sure you didn't have a nickname, and I re- I kind of thought through all the possibilities. And no, no, I'm pretty sure Patrick Klepik doesn't have a nickname. No, so I just especially not a sure. nickname similar to last week's guest. No, no, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. One of my favorite things is the people on Twitter that don't aren't aware of that that are like hey man you're in my ftl game that's so crazy and i'm like and then i'll just take those and send them to steve I'm like yeah. look at, look i'm in that ftl game look at me <laughs> this whole conversation verbatim might have been like a core sample a core like extraction of the last time we were on the cast <laughs> wherein we made fun of your nickname and then you were pleased about ftl but that's okay no we can't tell anyone no no exactly they all know. so um, hi there welcome back to america yeah <laughs> Actually, it's a weird, it's, it's, when you leave San Francisco, it is a weird thing. Cause you then become acutely aware of like all of, of real the, life. Yeah. Like for example, in Chicago, they don't, recycling is an optional thing. You right. have to pay it's to not. recycle in, in Chicago. So mo- nobody does. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Here you're forced to compost. Yeah. <laughs> so I go back two levels in, in Chicago. Uh, no, it's, it's been, it's been fun to, to come out. It's everything okay? Oh, okay. I'm confused. I was confused. Like, no, he's going to turn, that, you have that turn down the turn down voice. turn down the Chicago levels uh, on yeah. on this. Um, well, I, I don't have like I I bought a blue snowball mic, which is pretty nice, but not not as fancy as these real microphones. So I don't know. So I came out for all this next gen stuff at Giant Bomb, which don't buy either of those things. What? Why not? Because they're terrible. <laughs> what? Why would you buy any? Like, why would you? Why would well, you reasonably well, buy no. any machine when okay, it first comes? Well, out? let me be clarify. I'm not going to anytime soon. But you know, I'm saying rhetorically, like, yeah, you know, as someone who's played more of them than I have, they're interesting. But I mean, essentially, you're signing up to become like a beta tester or like to play like prettier versions of games that you could buy much cheaper. Right. Like, sure, it's just yeah. no, you know, nothing really. Like consoles need to exist because they. If you're really into AAA games, right? Like if, yeah, if that's yeah. something that you're into, mm-hmm. these machines sell to a wide enough audience to justify the the spending of like tens of millions of dollars on big these big budget games. So that's these a, machines need to exist for for a lot of that stuff. That's the feeling that I had last generation as well, though. Where I just, like that, actually last generation was the first one where I was acutely aware of the fact that I had no interest in 
owning one of those consoles at launch, but there was enough interesting stuff happening in them that I saw that someone would eventually make something that I yeah. needed for it. Yeah, it's it's been really weird. Like, even on the cab ride over here, had a conversation with a guy, it, like the, <laughs> the Uber driver, was like, oh, so like, which one of those should I buy? And I was like, neither of them. He's like, oh, but I... I gotta get one of them. I was like, well, you wait till the spring. There is no games. Like, you are literally just buying something just to participate in a hype event, which doesn't seem like a great reason to buy one of them. Um, you don't want to open up a sidebar to your TV? No, because you can't even, you can't adjust the audio on that stuff. Like, that snapping stuff on the Xbox One. So, like, let's say theoretically, what would be maybe interesting is that you're playing a game, you snap in maybe, uh, like a television show that you want to catch up on, or like an NFL game, or whatever. You can't adjust the audio levels on both of those yet, so they both just blare in, and that oh, doesn't weird. sound like a, a thing you would want that to seems do. odd. Yeah. I mean, but that's, again, that's like being a launch day person, you are a beta tester, and it just, like, I get the excitement, but I don't, like, were I not a part of this industry where I felt like I needed to keep up with things, I don't, like, I right. really doubt that I would have any interest in in, do, in doing any of this, but... It's it's a weird thing. Even on the back end, being a part of this stuff, like when you get this stuff early, and it's it's just a it's it's weird. Like so I, you've been playing a bunch of stuff, a little bit. Like I, I haven't been reviewing a lot of the next gen stuff. I've been playing actually just a lot of Super Mario 3D World. Like when I showed when I showed up, that disc was just on my desk. It's like, hey, do you want this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I am buying a next gen console this weekend, but uh-huh. it's probably a Wii U because yeah. I pre ordered Mario 3D World. Yes. Without owning the system, so I need to play it. But I mm-hmm. want to. It's really good. Luigi's bad. Well, so you we said had, before we yeah, started Patrick recording, insinuated Luigi. You said that or, in this the year of Luigi, mm-hmm. Luigi was not. The He's not pulling his play, weight. But, but, He's not pulling his weight. Luigi was my choice in Mario Two. So last, if that's true, then he will be your choice in this game as well. I also have enjoyed playing as Luigi in Mario 3D Land in yeah. the special zone. Yes, uh, I, I just don't like the long. I don't like the long jump. Like I don't. I don't like the way his physics works. I don't I, like the long jump. I don't like yeah. I don't Chicago. like Chicago. <laughs> I don't like the long jump. I like Peach. She floats. <laughs> you you can do more with the float, and that's why I play. I play as Peach the entire time. Okay, because Peach allows you to adjust midair. So like when you screw up a jump, Luigi does. He just the curve is just way more hilarious. Ah, I can't His stand legs it. go all wacky. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. <laughs> Ugh, betrayer. Three D World is unbelievably good. Like it is. It is a weird thing because like Nintendo is such a strange company, right? Like they. They're caught between like two things where everyone expects them to do something new, but don't screw up the old stuff either. Yeah, no, like, it's so true. Well, everyone wants them to do something new, but then everyone complains when they don't get another exact version of the, the thing that they've gotten five yeah. times. Be more like Zelda situation, circa yeah. 2005 or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah, it, it totally is. Like, and you like then you can't blame the company for being confused when it's like, okay, we're gonna go on a limb, we're gonna try and do something different, but also that's traditional, and then it gets rejected, and then now it's considered like you know. Like a class, it's that company must be such a weird company to figure out how you design things because you are trying to essentially remix nostalgia. Yeah, constantly, every like single time. time, like two or three times a generation per series. Every game Nintendo puts out is falling into like the Pinkerton trap, basically. Yeah, like you are always judging us your old work. Sorry, and yet that's a nice deep cut for a. I, that's for good a though. Official Weezer okay. website One, proprietor. That was uh-huh, so that we could true. maybe talk about your Weezer Angel yep. Angel Fire <laughs> uh, fan page. Unreleased and, Weezer for the masses. And two, that's always the example that I think of because for the longest time that was like the most intense embodiment of that that I was aware of culturally was like the well, whatever first Weezer album to Blue the second album. yeah the Blue album to to Pinkerton yeah 
So Wind Waker is the uh, Pinkerton of the Zelda series. <laughs> right. And, and, and Wind Waker HD. The secret best one. Is the whatever. I guess no longer secret. I feel like at this point, <laughs> Wind Waker has like slowly gained that's what, ground. That's what Patrick like, was saying. Like that oh, game okay, is now okay. just like. Oh, I see. Okay. It's just a classic Zelda game that has yeah. some funky shit in it, but whatever. It's good. Yeah. And and so, like, if you think about that from, like, their perspective, like, the mixed messages they must get, like... Well, because no, now Wind Waker's the one that people are just like, make that again. Yeah. Right. Which they did, basically. <laughs> they, they did that exactly. Yep. <laughs> like, every time, every time Nintendo steps outside of what's worked, you... Like, they're basically damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, it's yeah. such a strange company, like... That's why 3D World is so exciting to me. Yeah. Because... It's not, it's not actually original. No. But by way of having every single fucking thing they've ever done that's good in one game and then doing all of those things what looks like really well, it feels fresh to me. Which Have you, weird. You, you just recently acquired a 3DS, right? And the first thing that I played on it was 3D Land, yeah. and it crushed my face. Yeah. yeah. How far did you get into it? I'm halfway through Special Worlds. Okay. So wait, so, so the game split, the game like finishes, right? You do the first eight. Yeah. You save Princess Peach, yep, and then you just get an entire other series of eight maps, right? And you think that your mission is to save Luigi, but then you right. save Luigi like one world in, and then it's just Mario and Luigi just fucking around in the game for the rest of the game. Okay, so that, that is that what you consider the special stages, like that second yeah, half? Yeah, second okay. half. Well, there, it's labeled special zone. One, okay, two, three, I, I four, forget. Five. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you? So you're still working through that? Yeah, I've got like three more worlds to go. So I highly recommend because I did this was that if you get all the stars. I'm not going to get them all, but okay, if okay. I do. If you got all the stars, and then you also go through every single stage, and you get Mario and Luigi to get to the top of the flagpole, this takes a long time. Okay. It's the only, I, I'm not a completionist. I think those are mostly psychological tricks that really bother me, but I think it was really worthwhile in that game. Uh, you get this ultra-special stage that is the same length as any normal stage in that game, but it took me well over four hours to complete. Jesus Jeez. Christ. Because it goes from... For one level? Yeah, because the, the precision required is so, so it's unbelievable. like a Super Meat Boy level? Yeah, pretty much. Like, where you're doing things like uh, the, the, the character goes above the camera and you're using the shadow to measure where you have to fall. Oh, my God. But the spots that you have to fall are like a single coin block. Oh, see, this is like... This is the version of Mario that I was promised on my Texas Instruments calculator in, like, <laughs> ninth grade. Seriously. Like... I've talked about I, I know I've talked about this at least twice on the podcast yeah. before, but like the the version of Mario I've played more of than any other version of Mario is the version some guy named Bill Nagel wrote for the TI-86 graphing calculator. And it is so fast and so fluid. And he shipped it with a level editor on his free calculator game. And the level on editor his fucking calculator. On his fucking calculator. And it was and it's a really easy to use level editor. God, I haven't played this in years. I should just buy on. Can eBay you even emu- can you like emulate a TI eighty six? Is that maybe, a thing you could you do? Probably right. It probably wouldn't feel quite as good because you wouldn't have the. Well, maybe it you would. wouldn't have that great tactile feeling of those calculator. <laughs> that that great D pad that was on the. I don't know. The, man, the, it worked pretty well. Um, but anyway, anyway, <laughs> the old reason, guy. Well, I'm not saying it's better than. I'm just no, saying I for just that like, specific. I don't thing. know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I prefer the TI eighty six buttons. <laughs> well, to I, your game. Assuming pad. modern 2013 D pads no are worse than the Xbox three sixty one. Someone told me to start trying um, Spelunky with the D pad rather than the analog stick on the three sixty controller. I can't fucking do it. That thing sucks. It's it got, it's got sucks. awful. I I hate it. Anyway, whatever. Um, the TI eighty six Mario was. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was a great so, premise to start any sentence. Yeah. Well, this is like, so Bill Nagel, this guy also made a Tetris for the T-86 and it was like the fastest, most fluid version oh, you of know what? I, I ever played. And I want to say, I want to say I just had a TI-83, but I might just be confusing those in my mind. Like way better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It was. Wow. Chris Con- had his own Console Wars. Angel Fire No, the 83 <laughs> and the 85 Marios were not nearly as good. The T86 Mario was, because it was the highest powered one. Okay. I mean, at least at the time, I'm sure there's, they made, probably not anymore, but I'm sure after that they made. I just played a lot of Drug ones. Wars, which, was that yeah, one? Yeah, of, yeah? That okay. All right. It's a classic calculator game. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, the, the reason the Mario game is relevant to this is because it, the result of that level editor, like the outcome of that, was an expression of Mario mechanics that I have never encountered in a Nintendo-created Mario game. No, but fan hacks of Mario World and Mario Three definitely have that. Level oh, okay, of okay, okay. Like, you yeah. can watch YouTube. Where everything needs every jump is like needs to be pixel perfect and like yeah, yeah it's you're doing crazy things. Where yeah, the it, the reason the thing that reminded me of it was when you said like you go above the camera and have to because people would do things like that where you'd have to like at the last moment get jump to above the level or it was just impossible and like. And you had to fall down again, and there were like invisible blocks. There were like um, blocks that you could go through that you weren't sure if you could or not. Just all kinds of bonkers shit that was was incredibly hardcore and super satisfying to actually complete. And like people would make multiple worlds of these, and you'd have to email them to like with a password to prove you beat the previous ones. They email you the <laughs> new worlds, and you'd like download those to your calculator. Ah, it was the best. It was the absolute best. Um, that's also totally reminiscent of that email that Zoe sent two weeks ago. Right. About this yeah, weird yeah, exactly. Communities totally. online. Uh-huh. The secret I bet there's world very little evidence of, of it left. Of Mario TI-86 calculator yeah. stuff. Yeah. You should I have started I, an Angel Fire page. I think I remember it was ticalc.org was like the web, like the biggest website for that stuff, although there were several. God, and, and I remember uh, connecting like the link cables so you could get yep. each other uh-huh. and they never worked. Like well, they, the, the error, it would error out like nine times out of ten when you were trying to transfer a, a game <laughs> to one another. Right. God. But well, it was great because you had, you had, you had to have that calculator in certain levels of math in high school. So there was literally no way for your teachers to know, like, unless you were really intently like, you know, I guess Mario would probably come across as why are you pressing those buttons so fast on, on the well, calculator? Tetris, definitely. Yeah. Tetris yeah. was intense. Like Drug Wars, you could get away with because it looks like you could have just been entering a math right. problem. Uh, God, it looks like tiacalc.org is not a website anymore. That's a bummer. That was such an enormous yeah. website. It's crazy to think about it in retrospect. Oh, wait, maybe it is. Oh, I thought there was a dash in it, but there's not. <laughs> Sorry, Important. interesting URL remarks going on right now. So Mario um, 3D World. Anyway, mm-hmm. Sorry, Mario 3D World is a real game that is real. It is. It's it's weird uh, because... Oh my God, holy crap. Hold okay. on, I'm sorry. No, the most going. recent news update about a, about a new game on... Please on be today. ...tiacalc.org is the November 20th. <laughs> it's like uh, yesterday. Well, we were... I'm sorry. When The podcast you're hearing right now was recorded like five days ago because we wanted to catch Patrick when he was still in town. So, what is the update about? Tank 2004 and Find Doctor. Uh, I'm glad that Tank 2004 is still being updated. <laughs> What's the best version? As any Calc fan will know, anything with a screen and processor will draw on curious and talented coders, and e-dictionaries are no exception. A handful of games are available for the platforms, mostly programmed in Lava. Zen has put a lot of work porting a handful of these games over to the 68K line of TA Calcs, two great examples being Tank 2004 and Find Doctor. Tank 2004 is a nice clone of Battle City, which is always a crowd pleaser. Find a doctor, on the other wait, hand. Wait, wait, an a crowd pleaser? Yeah. <laughs> it's an adventure slash puzzle game where you search the world and use items to solve a mysterious crime involving science. 
Great work on the port, Zen. It's wonderful to see this software kept alive on our calcs. And the previous update was four, three days before that, then, the, then one day before that. Is calc capitalized? Nope. Mm. It's a genericized. It's our they should, they it's should our, think about owning. Calcs. They should think about owning that and just making <laughs> that a capital C. Yeah. Gross. It's <laughs> really disgusting, Roger. Uh, yeah, three D world's really good. Uh, the problem, one of the problems with it is that uh, you know it continues the Mario experimentation with multiplayer, uh, in which you don't have to play that, but the games are designed around that. So, like the level design of three D world is such that it's, it feels often artificially widened. Where the levels are oh interesting because 3D land it was narrow for just like a guy. But 3D land felt like the camera felt like claustrophobic. Like it was really close up on you a, a lot of times in a way that was like very unconventional for a Mario game. I didn't find myself feeling like the levels were too wide on that axis though. Right, like it was built for like a little bit of Mario wiggling. Well, like 3D land is a, and 3D world is an, is an extension of that. It's just a little wider, but it's it's like 3D land tries to cut the difference between like two and 2D and 3D, mm-hmm. which is like. The levels are largely kind of going left to right, but you ha- you move in a 3D space. Whereas, mm-hmm. like you know, the Galaxy games are the epitome of 3D, where it's like you right. are, it's a sphere and you are right. moving around this sphere. Yeah. And, and so, 3D World widens out uh, the stages in a way that, for a long time, they're really creative, they're really fun, but they don't require a lot of precision. Uh, right. And then, like this is a, a slight spoiler if if you're going to play the game, but I don't, I really don't consider it a spoiler. Is that at some point the credits roll on that game? And, like, literally their credits, you see everyone in the game that worked on it, and then it opens up, like, just like 3D Jackson Land, scene. like, oh. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it opens up this whole set of special stages, but it feels like the credits are this message from the designers that are like, this is where the game begins. Like, you've, you've, you've played through this game, it's been fun, but if you're the kind of person that really enjoys traditional Mario games where we're going to challenge That's you, how 3D you're going to die. Too. Yeah, like, I absolutely. burned through the first eight worlds in just a few hours. And it's taken me longer to get through the remaining ones because yeah. it feels like it's the difficulty level of like real Mario. Yeah, it, well, it feels like they they know they're serving like all of these different audiences, and so right. try they try to serve those audiences in different ways. And I've just in 3D World, it feels the most direct communication by literally having credits roll, and you and it's a long. It's 3D it's Land a, did the same thing though, but it's a lot further in 3D World. Like you, you actually have the gotcha moment already, where you think it's over, and then it's not over. Oh man! All and right. then you finish it again, Fuck. and then it's not over. Um, and and it, and it just seems like they're communicating to you, like, okay, you can send your family away now. You beat the game, haha! Now I'm go so excited about this Mario. It's really I hate great. It. I hate everything. <laughs> It's really, not, it's really great. Well, you love it. I, I do. I didn't fucking think I'd be getting a stupid... You put that horrible avatar on your Twitter. <laughs> That's a pretty good, Yoshi. Who was it that posted that? Ben Burbank? Yeah, Ben Burbank, a programmer at Double Fine, started posting box art from the old Mario World cartoon. <laughs> I, and, yeah. and I looked at it and was like, God, this stuff's so hideous and <laughs> off-model. It's just like the grossest... Dro- okay, Yoshi is now my avatar. <laughs> Also, your crop of it is really weird. It's, everything about it. Is- no, it's because he Yoshi on the DVD cover is just like poking in off the side. Uh, like that's the maximum Yoshi. Oh, I see. Okay. Like that that <laughs> shitty drawing of Yoshi only exists to the degree right. that I I got as much Yoshi right. in as I could. But it just looks like he's like peeking in. Right. Oh, it's 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 gross. I thought you just deliberately made it gross. Just no. to accentuate. No, I'm no. <laughs> I just should've. natural gross. Yeah. Yeah. Have you played any of the multiplayer? Yeah, like you know, I mean, I reviewed it. So, and then we also, you know, did that for for our video on on giantbomb.com. That's where you promote, right? Right here. Um, previously, giantbomb.net, but you guys took that <laughs> one back. Damn, that's right. 
Um, and yeah, and it's 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 all right. Like it, there's it's less chaotic because the levels are wider, mm-hmm. but it's not. Like it's fun, but it's like really frustrating. Like if you're trying to you know collect a green star. Uh, which is like one, you know, the, one of the collectibles in the game, and then someone jumps in a pipe, and then everyone has to warp off to the next section. Mm. So like it works, um, and like it'll be, it's just one of those things that's only really fun when everyone's been drinking and wants to engage with it. But like the weird thing is with multiplayer, it's like the the 3D land, actually the Mario 3D games in general, like encourage exploration. Like they want you to look around the environment. They are hiding things in really clever ways, but. The only thing that multiple people playing multiplayer can silently agree upon is progression. Like, unless you are articulating to each other what you want to do, the only thing you can agree upon without talking is progression. So what ends up happening is that when you play multiplayer, all you do is progress. But that's not fun when somebody wants to, like, go scamper off and do something or they see something. Uh, explaining that takes too much time. So the all you end up doing is moving forward, and that's not always that much fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting in that way and... It just constantly feels like you're playing a game that is directed at a different audience. And that's, again, like, speaks to, like, the... I can't imagine what it's like to be a Nintendo designer because you have to please all these sorts of people and and you have to make the kinds of compromises that uh, they can't even directly communicate. Um, it's, it's, but it it's has a weird pleased thing. you. It's very good. It's really good. And the cat well, the suit's amazing. That may surprise you. Yeah. Fans of the Mario genre may want to pay attention to Mario 3 World. And the cat, the cat suit is amazing because it actually makes the game very vertical for uh, a gotta, series that is physical horizontal. recoil out of Jake on that. Yeah. I don't like that cat suit. But what if, like, every once in a while when you finish the level, like, they meow at the screen? Ooh. Well, <laughs> I guess I pre ordered this game and I guess I've committed on multiple podcasts <laughs> to buying this system. No, the mechanics of the cat suit actually look cool. I just hate that it's Mario in a cat suit. And the, the, I know that there's just like a 60 year old guy going, Meow, 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 in a studio, over, like <laughs> recording a thousand fucking meows for. Because yep. isn't he everyone other than Princess Peach? Yeah, he's, I think he's basically. Oh yeah, Charles Charles Martinet. Martinet. Yeah, I think yeah. he's like every male character or non-gendered. You know, any any yep. character that isn't just Peach. Basically, I wish we still had that audio of him saying idlethumbs.net is number one website in the Wario voice. Surely we have that somewhere. Yeah, it's probably on a hard drive in my closet. That? At E3, like 2005. Yeah. He was out just doing voices, and we threw a recorder in his face and said, "Say the name of our website." He's like, "What is it?" Or whatever. And doing a voice, we're like, "Idle thumbs." And he's like, "Idle thumbs." But he started one. in the Wario voice. He was, I think he was just being I think a character. He was just oh. doing. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was Wario. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And then he said, "Idle thumbs" is the number one site. Everyone sucks. And then the Nintendo rep next. Yeah, he's like, to "Everyone him. else sucks." And the Nintendo rep next to him was like. <sighs> <laughs> That probably she was like, I guess you guys can do that, but that probably is worth like ten grand. <laughs> okay, I'm also not sure if like sucks is in like the list of accepted terminology for yeah. the Wario characters to we, say. Have we never once brought that back up in the entire time we've been doing an audio only product on this website? I'm sure we've mentioned that we have that, but I'm sure we've yeah. never like dumpster dived into the recordings from that weird E3 video because it's well, in like it's the in B roll of that stuff. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. It's in that video, so it's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. So is it actually him, or is it like that version where no, he's like behind? Him. No, 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 no. no, 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 no before I mean? they did oh. the mocap face, it was just that's, him yeah, like sitting in a chair yeah. with this weird fucking E three purple lights all over him. Because you know he doesn't even go to E three when he does that stuff anymore. Oh really? Yeah. He has a setup in his office where he not Skype, but you know uses some he's professional just like kind of satellite like system, quality. Yeah, yeah, like right. he so like the you'll line or yeah right. you'll you'll see, you know you'll go to to the Nintendo booth at E three and he's there talking to everyone as they come through and he's just like. Hanging out. He could be naked for like all yeah, you know. Like, that's hilarious. Doesn't he talk through like a, a cartoon face at this point now? Yeah, yeah he, talks it's, through, he talks through a Mario. Yeah, it was, 
It was really strange. It was just him when we saw him. At E3 this year. Um, God, E3. He had been to E3 in like five years. Good for you. I think. Good for you. I'm Maybe. F- no, probably more like three or four. Probably four years. And he uh, he was the, I would call it the warm-up act before like Wait, Reggie. Wait, Yeah. Reggie and Miyamoto came out for like the actual little like press conference they were holding like before yeah. E3 started in their booth. Yeah. And... He's just like telling jokes and like they clearly given him a list of like he clearly had it's like people. like the Jamie Kennedy of Nintendo. Yeah, but like he clearly. Did you ever go to any of those E3s where Jamie Kennedy for like three years was like this horrible low rent guy for hire in the video game industry? For well, there time? there was that one. Uh, it was one. the E3 what in Santa Monica yeah. where I think that's the last one that Jamie Kennedy got to host the Activision press conference because right. he was drunk oh, right. yeah. on stage and Tony Hawk basically told him to like fuck off. <laughs> Because, like, he kept, like, Jamie Kennedy kept, like, kept making fun of Tony Hawk, and Tony Hawk was, like, not having it. That just sounds like a thing that would happen in an Adult Swim cartoon. Yeah. Anyway, Jamie Kennedy was hosting this press release, and he got was drunk on stage, and Tony Hawk told him to fuck off. <laughs> what? It was, like, the same year where, like, video game industry. Yeah. Kojima got up on stage at, like, oh, Konami's press conference Konami and was like, I miss E3. He basically was just like... I wish people paid more attention to me. I don't like this smaller E3. But like got up and said at his company's press conference and said this stuff. It was completely completely bizarre. But yeah, like they had clearly had someone off stage with uh t- telling Mario like who was in the audience. So he was like calling out different members of the press like Brian Crescente. Aha, like welcome to our press conference and then just everyone looking <laughs> over at that person and like not like it's not like you, and it's not like you can even respond. It's just right, sort of, <laughs> yeah, he is here. What is it, a kid's birthday party? Like what? Like, yeah, little Brian in the audience. Everybody say hello to me. <laughs> and then the problem is that it's like him. the press, the, the press conference got delayed by like you fifteen minutes. So he had to like not oh, only God, do the, not only be the opener, but then like kill time. <laughs> oh no! It got incredibly awkward because then some Brian point, Crescente is still here. <laughs> there he is. Good. That's Hello, when, Brian. That's when they should fucking switch to Luigi, and he should just be going, "Oh, <laughs> Mario." Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to. Sorry. So, on the topic of Nintendo press conferences, I have to ask, like, from your, from someone in your perspective, like, you know, who goes to all these things still and everything, what is the point of Reggie, like, at at like. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, I'm sure he has a job that he does. He's president of the Nintendo point of America Reggie is to be photographed like, looking powerful and then a JPEG of him showing up on gaff. That's that why it? he exists. Is that the only thing? Because I see every time that guy talks and I'm like, OK, look, I'm sure in the office he does whatever his job is and it's great and whatever. He's but, like, Nintendo's Steve Ballmer to me. Like, yeah, fully. He, but, yeah. Like, right. But what's the point of Steve Ballmer? Obviously none because he's being aggressively replaced. <laughs> <laughs> like, I see Reggie talk and I'm like, I don't understand. Like. It sounds like this guy is just going to beat the shit out of someone if they don't buy a Zelda game. Like, But, like, beyond that, what's right. the, like... You could tell that he obviously is doing something in his actual right. job. I know. I'm sure he has a business job that is real. But, like, he gets up on stage and just, like, marches around and, like, declares things in the flattest tone. It's just weird to me. He's, he's weird. Like, he was a necessary, like... For Nintendo at the time, like when he first came out on stage, like I'm here to you know kick ass and take names, like that like line he trotted was that, out. Was that like GameCube era? Yeah, yeah. yeah like he was he was a product of the time, which is like Nintendo 
either had like very soft-spoken, you know, Japanese executives that that came out uh, this like during like the early Awada, like late Yamauchi era, and then or had folks like Howard Lincoln, which are like. They just didn't have like really strong oh, personalities. Like pencil neck, yeah, pen, like guy, these pencil yeah. and white guys. That, like there was no presence, and yeah, yeah. like Thanks Nintendo was not in a powerful enough position as uh, in the market to like not have that. So they needed right. someone to come out and be like, "This sells shaded Zelda. You they guys are gonna like this, assholes." They like, didn't have any business bros. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, like Microsoft is pretty good at mustering up a business bro. God, every time Don Matrick waves his his, <laughs> his hair back and forth. Take a drink. Guys who look beefy when they wear like a business suit. Yeah. It's like a very it's like a function in, in press conferences. You will fit the shit out of this business yeah, exactly. suit. Exactly. <laughs> like you serve a specific function for like like if you consider you will like remind people watching this that tailors have a reason to exist. <laughs> <laughs> like when like Nintendo was like a marginalized audience, like if you were a Nintendo fan, like it was not a thing to be like they were making good games, Metroid Prime, like I think Mario Sunshine was yeah, a great game. The GameCube era is a good fucking era. Totally. Like but, tons of great games. Yeah. But like you didn't have someone that you could be like rally behind, and like Reggie gave this this guy that you could rally. Like it's in a really like when you start analyzing that, Reggie, like you don't want to someone think you of, can believe in. Yeah, you don't want to think about it too much. Yeah, but it's, it was like this guy that like was like funny and like especially for the time. Wait, were you saying that he's like the Hitler of Nintendo? Is that where you were trying to go with that? What? Before you, I, mean, I don't, want, I don't want to put words in my mouth, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were like, I mean, you don't want to walk that all the way to the end because it gets weird. But like, you know, he's a figure to sort of militarize, disenfranchise uh-huh. people. <laughs> yeah, give them some sort of aggressive agenda. Yeah, it it was it was that that was a weird era for Nintendo. Like that's that was like they well, made a bunch of really interesting games that like with the exception of like Metroid yeah, Prime, like essentially a- got rejected. Like nobody likes Sunshine, but that game was awesome. Yeah. More people should like Pikmin Mario Sunshine. Pikmin? Yeah. Pikmin 2 multiplayer. Yep. Pikmin yeah. 2 multiplayer. The GameCube was the home of like of my, some of my favorite Nintendo 3D games. It had yeah. Smash Brothers Melee, the best Smash Brothers. It had uh, Mario Sunshine, the superior of the first two 3D Mario games. <laughs> it's a really good game. It had Wind Waker. Yep. It had other games. It had Blast Core. <laughs> Did it? No. That was in Discord. Oh, sorry. It had uh, Eternal <laughs> Darkness is what it had. It did. Which is fine. It did. That game was all right. It had Cubivore. It did. What else did it have? I don't know. It had stuff. Everyone loves Eternal Darkness, and I've never understood why that is. But that's okay. We don't need to talk about that. It had a sanity meter. I think that it had, like, really... It had oh. good gimmicks. <laughs> It had gimmicks. It's like an entire game based on that one X Files episode where uh, that was about flies, and then there was a fly on your TV screen. Yep, that was that made my mom freak out. So imagine what it would be like if she was playing Eternal Darkness. Would your mom ever play Eternal Darkness? No, she'd be like, I think it turned <laughs> off and is broken, and then <laughs> wouldn't play it anymore. <laughs> yeah, my character died. Take the game back. <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of all that stuff about Reggie, it's funny to look at. Just the complete opposite of that, which Nintendo is also doing now, which is like Iwata just talking against a white wall into the, the camera Nintendo for Direct stuff? minutes about the Year of Luigi. Yeah, like I, I'd never seen any of those before, and Nick showed me the Year of Luigi one like a week or two ago, and it's just like surreal to watch. Also, Nick pointed out that he's pretty sure the hat was computer generated. Which oh man, I, I think is true. Actually, you should look up the one where he is explaining Google Maps on the Wii U. Because he's weird. wearing like he has weird. This, what a weird world we live in. 
he's the president like, of Nintendo is going to explain Google Maps well, they, to you. They had added Street View to like the Wii, the Wii U, and they were acting like it was this big deal uh-huh. for like no discernible reason. But he's got like this camera helmet on, and he's holding up the Wii U gamepad, and he's spinning around in circles. And you're just like, what? This is the CEO <laughs> of a company. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Like, there's something to be said for being, like, affable and eccentric and then just sort of, like, like, what is going on? Like, who is approving these things? It's not Nintendo of America, that's for sure. No. They're <laughs> punching guys through, like, lampposts. <laughs> <laughs> They're just making sure that things sell by just beating up guys on the street corner. Yeah. Yeah, so you should buy 3D World. I, are, I already bought 3D World. I just don't have a console to play it on. Mm. Mm. That's tough. So you, you've been covering next-gen stuff yep. for Giant Bomb, but all you're actually playing is 3D World. Yeah. Since New Zelda's really good, too. Tearaway's also really good. I know. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't... Okay. <laughs> I, I, uh. Tearaway's really short, though. That game looks great. I played a dev build of it at some point. Yeah. Because like, yeah. uh, our buddy Spaff, who started oh, right, off, yeah. started yeah, off yeah, with yeah. us as our community manager, but he was in town for... GDC or something like that, and he brought mm-hmm. he brought a build of it. Yeah, I forget why it's cool. in time, but yeah. Um, a link between worlds is so hard for me to. I I had some some Twitter conversations with a few people about this, including Arthur Geese at Polygon, mm. because it looks it looks aesthetically just not good to me. But everyone says that it's a fantastic game. It's well, like a lot of 3DS games. Like if you actually go and look at like the blown up screenshots, like this, the resolution makes most of those games look god awful. But Luigi's Mansion and 3D Land looked great in screenshots, and then sure. because of that, they looked like they changed my perception of what the 3DS was capable of doing from a rendering standpoint. Playing it, whereas A Link Between Worlds just looks kind of janky. I don't think the art is that great, um, but it is like a legitimately really great game that again like also epitomizes like this weird dichotomy that like nintendo has to serve is like we're gonna change this series that if we change it you're gonna freak out so we'll just call it link to the past but then change a bunch of things about it and then hopefully you're okay with that and then maybe we can do like they're essentially a link between worlds is them asking permission to change like the structure of zelda which is just like what what other company would have to do that what what's What's structurally different about it? Like the, the idea that within the first hour of the game, you can buy every single item that you're going to use throughout the entire game. Weird. Weird, because Zelda yeah. usually just is like Metroid-style chained unlocks. It's not like that now. No. you In the first, they, A, you have an unlimited wallet, and then B, you can rent or buy items. So uh, in A Link Between Worlds, you can get every single item that the, that the game will require for a dungeon in like the first hour. Weird. Which is essentially and it's that, good, despite that. Like it's fun. Well, so one of the things it does is that when you get into the dungeon, even though each dungeon has the similar Zelda setup of we're going to emphasize this item over another, when you go in with uh, way more than you would normally have, and when the when a Zelda game is normally gated, uh, it actually makes it interesting because you're not sure what you should be using. Like especially when you're dealing with different enemies, it's like I have twelve different items that I could be using. Which one is actually effective hmm. uh, in this scenario? Uh, it does. It, it just feels more like a link to the past, where like a link to the past was not like a tr- uh, whatever you want to call an open world, but like you had options. Like you could just explore the world, right. find things that you couldn't access yet. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of the overworld map that you could make available if you tried. Hard, yeah, it felt like. So because of the fact that everything's open all the time, does that mean that 
they end up giving you dungeons later on that require you to have more things at your disposal than you would usually? Or is that just, is it more just like find the three things that you need to beat this dungeon? Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's still like, it mostly just, they just gate it through story. And like, okay. you need to, you need to collect X amount of items. But you, there will be times where you can look at the, the map and essentially you have four different dungeons you could go to at once as opposed to sort of a strict progression. Crazy. It's weird. We've just been talking about a fuckload of Nintendo here. This is not the way I was expecting this podcast to go, but I am. It's in, way, like, I'm into it. Any anyone that asks me that like like the stuff you should get this fall, like it's like I mean November twenty second tomorrow is crazy. Like Xbox One, and then two crazy two major Nintendo games, and then Tearaway, and then you know a PS4 just came out. But like again, like if, unless you just want to be part of the launch craziness, like there's just not a reason to buy either of those machines. Like the yeah. Xbox One voice stuff is is interesting. You still feel like a jackass when you're talking to your TV, but at least you feel like a jackass and it's responding to you this time. Like it's, it works. Right. That's what I've heard, actually. Yeah, I've heard it's quite responsive. But yeah, to your point about just not being, not having tons of great stuff to play, it's been funny watching Nick. Like Nick just pre ordered a PS4 like six months ago just because, or, or whenever, I don't remember when, but you know, like a while ago. Three years ago. ago. <laughs> and, um, and it's been funny, like just watching him try to find things to do with it because it's like, he got NBA 2K14, which is a game he already had on Steam anyway. Mm. And then he got Killzone, which is a game that, in my opinion, is not That's just the game that you get because you want a game to make your system look nice. Probably, right. But right? it's like he's not going to... You've already spent $400. I mean, what's $60 yeah, but more? I, but, but I mean, <laughs> he spent that $60 to basically... Or actually, I think it might have come with it for free. But in any case, he played it like once and I... It's, it was not right. interesting enough to want to play it all a, that much. It's more. effectively so it's like, like the hardware demo that comes with your yeah. graphics hardware or whatever. So it's, yeah. you know, I mean, what's he going to do with that thing for a while? You know, I mean, I'm sure there's going to have be, an all new Netflix interface. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff to play, right? Like, it's yeah. not like there's going to be no games to play on it. But there's going to be very few that you would actually need a PS4 right. to, to experience. Or, you know, I mean, at, at least if you are willing to play games on a PC, which, you know, he obviously is. But, um, you know, I don't know. I'm but sure. that's the big difference in the last seven years. Like in between the, the last machines launching and this one is that a lot of people have gotten a PC in the meantime. And that's also, I think, what, what creates a lot of apathy for even buying these new machines is for anyone that has even just a modest PC, you've been enjoying games that either are ports or, or original games that just look well beyond anything that's been available on the 360 or PS3. So why, you know, for those people, it's like, why, why would you jump in at the beginning just be part of the fun when you could just wait for like, Man, I really want to play this game. Like a 3D world. Like just wait for wait for something that's really exciting. Sorry, I got distracted because this is a thing that exists entirely in the hypothetical still. Uh-huh. But I, I, I'm thinking when you're talking about consoles and PCs and the current state of things, thinking back to the amount of money that Valve put into marketing Left 4 Dead and Portal 2, which were their two like Especially Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead 2 and Portal 2 are sort of their two big stabs at Valve games, like, punching through into mass gamer consciousness. The idea of those guys getting so into Steam OS and Steam Machine that they do, that they, like... Turn it up to that. That they unlock, you know, the, the, the Valve marketing money spillway for that, the way that they did for Portal 2 or the way they did for Left 4 Dead 2... It's fucking weird to think about that, about what that sort of as like in quotes a console launch would look like with a confident marketing campaign behind it where you're just like – 
anyway, we're just going to roll fucking Crisis 3 footage in your face and then also whatever the fuck else, Dota 2. Like, just weird, like... It's a weird thing to think about that from the perspective of a hardware launch if they can get the anything resembling the degree of hype that a console gets, which I guess they won't, and they probably yeah, won't they try. I don't think they can, but I mean, they they'll, have, they'll be able to do better than... Literally any other anyone that is not Microsoft, Sony, yeah, or Nintendo, exactly, they'll yeah. be able to. They have the money, and they have just like the imagery of the games that exist on this thing that would just fucking crush a face. If you're a little kid and you're like, I love, you know, I'm so excited about how everything on my Xbox One looks, and then a TV commercial rolls that just shows all of the most like cutting edge and aesthetically interesting looking stuff that would be on Steam. It's very different. And more intense. It's weird. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that until, it's, yeah, until I mean, now. It's, I mean, it's hard to imagine, like, Valve. I mean, maybe they would. Maybe it's different because with the Steam OS and, and the Steam machines. But it's hard to imagine them just, like, putting, like, a date in the ground and being like, everything launches on, you know, no, November 2nd. Um, they just seem like a company that just sort of rolls things out as they're ready to do them as opposed to, yeah, that's like, true. I, can, like I mean, I game releases are a little bit I different. Don't... But, like, it would be interesting if, like, at some point, like, early next year, they're like, Everything with SteamOS starts, you know, August 21st, 2014. Right, right. But we know they're not going to do that, though, because they've already been they've already said we're going to be doing these like weird rolling beta tests and like all this stuff. So I, I don't think there's the a high likelihood that they'll be doing a traditional console launch style thing. But I do think, Jake, that the the idea that they could just pat like have the just even if it wasn't tied to a a specific machine if, like, that's coming they out of the, the day. Like decided 2014, Steam is doing a Christmas push, and they're just going to go yeah. nuts. Where you what just you, see, what, yeah, here's the thing to buy this Christmas. Where you, to play you start seeing commercials for amazing looking games that are like a half generation above what console hardware can do, because we're talking about stuff coming out at the end of next year, and then it just ends with a picture of a Steam box and says Steam OS, and then you or you see an ad that just is, you know, you could see that happening the way that sometimes like. You get weird sort of like Android phony type stuff. Right. Like, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that until just now. And I know it's it, it's so non-existent that it's not worth talking about. But I kind of forgot that occasionally like Valve sort of goes huh, and wakes up and just spends a <laughs> shitload of money on creating public perception for one of their games that usually just sort of exist as this weird PC thing. And then they kind of just go back to sleep for years. Because they get – well, they, they, they're like – they're such a dynamic company; they can do whatever serves right. them. And also the fact, like I think it's often ignored that you know they don't have shareholders, right? Yeah, like they, they don't have anything. They, they, they like have you have you have well, no idea awesome. how much money they make. Like clearly, it's probably a lot, but they like because you have no concept. They're just a black box, right? Yeah, like they, they really can are. come out do what they, they orange want. Orange box, you mean? <laughs> God, that is also the thing though that does keep them from being Microsoft, where they're just like. Fuck it. If it takes 15 years, we will spend as many billions of dollars as it takes to make this work. And, like, I don't say that to denigrate the Xbox because I think uh, Xbox and Xbox 360 were, like, really, like, super impressive, you know, uh, things from a company that just like, kind of came out of nowhere in that space. But, like, but I mean, regardless, it doesn't even th- – that aside, no matter what, Microsoft just had the ability and the will to just say – we are just going to keep pushing this no fu- fucking no matter what doesn't matter how how many fucking quarters in a row we lose money on it like we don't care we're just going to put billions and billions and billions of dollars I think they were able to look the at their years. success of doing that with internet explorer and say what if we did that to video games what if we just kept fucking putting this in people's faces yeah 
until eventually Bing. people just use it. Yeah. It hasn't worked as well as Bing. <laughs> right. But it's and the same I, idea. Again, it's the like, same I idea, though. I don't mean, again, I don't mean to say, like, Xbox 360 was a bad console. That's not what I'm saying. I just mean that's irrelevant. Like, the quality is almost irrelevant to, like, that particular, their ability to do that. Yeah. You know? An Xbox that was slightly worse than the Xbox that they actually shipped probably wouldn't have done exactly as well, but it would probably still have a huge piece of the cultural conversation yeah. because yeah. Microsoft can bash its fucking bloody head against the wall over and over again. Right. Because it, I guess in that analogy, can just continue to buy new heads. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that analogy was going to go. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, but it's really even like Steam, you know, like it's easy to forget. Like I assume if you, you, if you buy new band-aids, but buy new heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's good too. That's like a big band-aid. Like we just being just, yeah. But like you know, you, it's easy to forget anyone that wasn't around for like the launch of Half Life Two. Like what a piece of garbage Steam was. Sure. And God. Like, also, speaking of launch of Half Life Two, forget that. Go back three years before that to like launch of Xbox One. Okay, the Xbox that was the first one. <laughs> uh, like I was Steve and the, Steve, oh, the direct Xbox. Yeah, Steve was in town and we were talking about it, and Steve was like. Yeah, you know why they can call it the Xbox One? Because a big chunk of their target market was born the year the Xbox, the actual Xbox One came yeah. out. Like people who are te- people who are starting their teenage years now were zero when the original Xbox came out, and people who are like right in the like sweet spot for marketing on that were like little kids. You know, Which they were because that's like what the Atari was to me. Good times. <laughs> yeah, think about that. <laughs> I will. Also, people that we make games for. <laughs> Like yeah. these, all, these are the same people. Not the 2600. I was, I'm not quite old enough for that, but the Atari 7800 was the game that was like the thing that was just on its way out when I started to know what a video game was. Yeah. And then the Nintendo showed up. Right. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. Being old, whatever. But that makes me wonder, like, with, with all of, of Valve stuff, like, when they make that push, it's kind of... Well, they make that They push. can't just do... Like, they kind of have to go for it at some point. Like, you know, their, their yeah, ways no, to kind I, of... I, I totally agree. I don't, like, I don't they, think... they can't just, like, kind of come in and come out. Like, the moment that they say, like, we are competing as a platform, right, but we're going to think... put out boxes. Like, it's just an interesting time for them where they kind of have to put up a show. No, no, I totally agree. I th- I'm I'm actually... It's a, it's a worry of mine that they're just going to kind of do the Valve thing where they're just like, well, this is cool. Like, it's making us money, so... I don't know if they cool. will, though, because, yeah. like, they... They don't do. They didn't do a huge marketing campaign for Dota because they knew where the audience for Dota was. They've never done a huge push for TF2. They've ne- they never even really did one for Half Life. They also didn't do a huge one for Left 4 Dead One. But when they saw what Left 4 Dead One was doing and that it was actually getting pickup with the mass console yeah, audience, two got the push. It was at the press then conference they were like, and stuff go, like that. Yeah. Left 4 Dead Two. Yeah. Huge buys and Portal Two was them sort of being like maybe the weird stuff that is Portal caught. Like it caught a non a non traditional Steam audience with Portal yeah. One. We can like, push the humor. Maybe and, we can yeah. like maybe this game has the leverage to go. And it didn't seem like Portal Two did as much as Left 4 Dead Two. But like it seems like they hit thresholds where they're like, okay, maybe this is the stuff that a sort of mass audience will actually care about for a second. <sighs> like six dump trucks of cash like poured into the into the marketing <laughs> right. furnace for that. And it's it makes me wonder if their plan with with SteamOS and Steambox is that they're going to kind of go for it until they're like uh uh and then like that's you know i wonder but it's like i think if you ask you're right that once any of those any of those people that played left 4 dead 2 or portal 2 probably doesn't associate it with valve they don't even know what valve means I don't like they don't think it, i know what i'm saying is like if they come up you know underground with steam like that is an important brand to them I, like they don't co- go away and then come up with a different thing like it's just steam like that's if they, fine though right like who cares if they like i think at this point valve would probably rather spread Steam than, than Valve. But well, I'm just saying that's why they would end up really just having to go for it, because like, if you're going to do it, you can't just be like, well, we'll come back around with a different console called you can't, something you else. You can't do Steam 2 
later because of the way that Valve has themes structured? Is that what you mean? Like, if they're like, if I guess I just can't. I like I I don't see them just like coming up and saying like we're going to do this Steam console push and then like if it doesn't work in the first six months like they're going to go underground and they can come back six months later. It just feels like they have to kind of go for it and it's kind of the first time in a I while that been... there's a lo- there's a huge risk reward and What's, it just I doesn't. Think that, I think the thing that makes that not likely is that Steam as a concept has now been around for almost a decade. What like nine, eight or nine years now. And they haven't changed that branding really at all. It's the exact same logo still. It's the same word. Um, and also because the Steam – like we keep saying Steambox and stuff, but we we know that in reality it's not actually a singular piece of hardware. It's just it's just an operating system and you can run it on anything technically. So like I don't think that's that specifically is necessarily a big risk because if they determine something needs to be changed, like – they can work with hardware providers and like change the form factor or whatever, but it's still just a computer that has SteamOS on it. That's sure. the only thing that's necessary. That aspect of it I always forget, and that actually makes it impossible for them to ever spend a lot of money marketing it. Yeah, it actually does. Yeah. Like once I heard that they were um, not actually interested in being like the primary kind of hardware provider, they're just going to basically work with other companies to Should make we? stuff. Like yeah. that, because they, well, they said they're handling all the controller stuff. Like right. they said, they're doing the controller, but the actual main box is mainly going to be hardware partners, which is like, I understand why they're doing that, but it does, I think it's going to make it a harder, I think it's going to make it a, an up, more, more uphill battle it for them marketing-wise. Yeah, it's, like, I think the Android model is cool in theory, but I think in practice it's actually very, very hard for it to actually make sense to human beings that aren't already plugged into the world of what all that stuff is. I mean, unless you're just... If, if you don't want to actually use 80% of what's on your phone, you're just a person who walks in and says, give me the one that has a big screen. But, like, it seems like what kind of has happened in the Android marketplace is everyone just uses the Google template phone at this point and has stopped trying to do all the weird shit because it didn't actually work. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's fine, though, because that just makes other phones that are not made by Google more acceptable. Like the Right, but, I mean, it seems like we live in a post-that world at this point but the way that valve is approaching the steam box seems very similar to the way android well maybe was at launch we don't really know right i mean like it does, I, I guess mean, that's true the, just the, the few quotes that you hear are like oh well there's going to be steam boxes that are measurably cheaper and yeah but that's just at a significantly lower system spec than anything we're making yeah but that but i think that's fine i mean i think like i don't think i think it makes i think that makes sense like i, I, I we we know just because of just how this always works you know, consoles are subsidized. And so on balance, like you're going to want to have a cheaper version of the steam box that isn't at the same level as like a kind of, you know, the alienware one. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Like you're going to want to have a cheaper one because there are going to be some people who just want to play indie games and stuff. And they just want a thing to plug into their TV that they can play everything on and it's easy and it's cheap. And I, and I wonder uh, how that, like, that, I think the big challenge for them is how they communicate that stuff. Yeah. Like can the store filter based on your yeah, hardware they, profile they to yes. only, yeah, it has, it has to show no, yeah. these about are the that. only games I can run. I'm sure yeah. you guys have talked about some they, of those, it's but actually that, that a brilliant, seems huge. A it sounds solution. like what they're doing is they're using the data from the steam hardware survey that they've been doing for years and years. Yeah. And knowing the sorts of games that run down to like the video card model. So it will tell you your video card is not going to be able to handle this game. However, here are the upgrades that you could do to your PC that would allow you to do it. And I think that's nuts. We talked we talked about that. I think before. it's awesome. Yeah. Like I mean, I think obviously the 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 goal out the gate should be to educate people in such a way that they can basically just 
make one purchase and be set for years. I mean, that's I haven't touched my computer in years and years and years, and it still plays absolutely everything at 1080p at high or max settings. So I mean, like I'm not actually concerned about that at all. Um, and I think for most people, they sh- hopefully they'll be able to just buy a box and stick with it for a long ass time. But like having the ability to say, well, you really want to like just dig into like the crazy shit. Here's what it would take. We actually have empirical data to support this, right. and it's just this. Get it's this just, processor yeah. and this video like, card. That's, I yeah. think that's awesome. Yeah if, um, yeah, if you can say, like, hey, you really want to play the new Splinter Cell, well, you need to upgrade this video card, and here's the link to Amazon or Newegg or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, just oh, buy this, and then also here's a it's, video that shows how you install Like, It's if probably they, a link to the Steam hardware store <laughs> at that point. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean that that seems like the difficult part, like how far they want to go it to because edu- ed- there's a lot of education that has to happen if they're going to have a fragmented market where they like people that are in the Steam marketplace love choice, but it's also a lot of people just like to have the thing turn on and do it. Yeah. So totally. it's like how far do they want to go, or how far are they willing to go mm-hmm. to bring those people? Yeah. And that in. is, I think that is going to get just easier over time. I mean, I think when you look, like the, the, the new consoles uh, clearly are are much more powerful than the previous ones. Like that's obvious. Um, but it's also, I think, pretty clear that the level of just pure technical capability is not increasing as fast as it used to. And that's definitely true with, with just gaming PCs as well. I think just increase, increasingly we're going to, we're going to, it's going to matter. That's going to be less of and less of a concern. You know, like I, 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 yeah, I mean, I said this two seconds ago, but like, you know, I've had the same configuration on my computer for years and it still just plays absolutely every game. Um, Yeah. And I, I, I think that's going to, I think that's basically going to get less obscure for most people or rather it'll be obscure, but they won't just need to think about it as much. You know, it right. just won't be an issue. It will be an issue still for a little while, but less and less so, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's, if there's so little known about all the stupid steam stuff, but it's so, it captivates my brain in a dumb way because it's so different than any other model that anyone has been yeah. trying as far yeah. as just a mainstream. Right. And, or like even just a living room based mm-hmm. uh, solution for video games. And honestly, one of the reasons I'm excited about it too is because I think they have a really so I think they have a really tough road ahead of them in terms of positioning this as a legitimate like straight up and like successor slash an, or, or competitor slash analog like a to a traditional yeah. console. Yeah, like I think that is difficult to impossible probably. But I feel like even in the worst case. It just takes all the things that are already really cool about Steam and just makes it more convenient. So you know, yeah, so I it, feel like, it seems so, like they're they're in it for the long haul. Like yeah. they're like they're they're looking, you know, everything that you know, Gabe and and all them talk about, you know, like you know, looking at Linux as like a long term solution to like the the Windows problem for them. Like they're looking at this as like a twenty year problem, not well, not hope, as I like what happens are. in the next five <laughs> yeah. years. I hope they are. I don't know if I know they are. But. I, w- I would hope so. It, it, you know, the the message that's what makes I was saying earlier about like Microsoft, way, right? Yeah. Is that I feel like. Larger companies like Microsoft and Sony can look at these things long term. Like Valve probably can, but I don't know if they actually do. It this seems could like, be the half life. It seems like they're so scattered. Valve, with it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's not a bad way to look at it. Is is well, <laughs> I mean, if it does, they get two in and then stop doing it. Like yeah. they did Leopard Dead Two as like maybe we could do a yearly sequel. We could, and we will not ever do that again because that was a bad idea. You right. know, like that's it seemed like that game existed yeah. because the team sort of actually said, "What if we do it." And right. they did it and said, oh, that's why that's bad. Um, but yeah, it also seems like if you don't really care about anything other than video games and Google Docs, you could probably just run SteamOS and you would not have a problem with your life. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, that's going to be more and more people over time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I, there was a, 
You don't have that JavaScript NES emulator or whatever. You don't even need it. <laughs> yeah, I can Steam run my T eighty six. Well, if not, I don't even see what the point is. Honestly, um, is, what sorry, you don't know is that Steam OS is actually based. It was coded in lava. <laughs> lava or whatever that is. That I coded magma. He's just, he's just referencing a no, yeah. website I, yeah. I read before. Uh, I, I had this really weird story that I, I ran uh, recently, where the, the, the developers of Gemini Rue, like mm. they make you know all Logitech. those like yeah yeah, yeah they. So they had like thirty thousand Steam keys that got stolen. Oh, oh yeah, I heard about this. What a bummer. Yeah. So so the, the 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 interesting bit about that that I think is somewhat relevant to this conversation is that so they they ran into some problems where they were losing these Steam keys. People were uh, essentially you know spoofing IP addresses and and uh, the, the the method the keys were being passed out. So you know the developer said, well fine, and it's only two people. It's this guy and his wife, but. Um, Said, well, fine, we'll turn off the Steam stuff, and just people who just download a DRM free version of the game, then I don't have to worry about the Steam keys, and because the idea is that the keys were being taken and then resold, right? And so he doesn't care that the game's being played for free. He cared that he wasn't getting sales from people that were buying it on the reselling yeah, market. Really shitty. And ninety nine percent of the feedback when he put up a free executable for people to download was, "I don't want that. I want, I want the Steam. Steam version." Yep. And. He thought at first, like, well, I'll just ignore that. Like, this is a free version of the game. Like, this is a, a Halloween promotion I'm doing. Like, I'm the good guy. I'm giving away my game for free. The feedback was unanimously like, wow, you jerk. Give us Steam keys because we want this built in. And, like, it that's crazy, right? Like, I mean, I think it shows a lot about people's trust of that platform. And then also it's just crazy that... That you're giving away a game for free and people are like, no, I want it built well, into this. Yep, it's, it's, I think for people who use Steam, it is just once I have this thing sucked into my Steam profile, I have it forever on any computer that I'll ever use for the rest of my life. Whether right. that's true or not, they've done like, like <laughs> right. they've gone a decade with that being the case where like Microsoft mm-hmm. has not, Sony has not, Nintendo has not. It's longer yeah. than any other console. I was at the, again, yeah. the reference well, my Uber driver again, that guy was complaining it, about backwards compatibility. Pre, it predates smartphones. So, I mean, it's just. Steam has a longer unbroken streak of just ongoing access to games you bought than any other platform does, I think. Yeah. Other than, like, physically owning a disc on a console. But, I mean, those consoles have now been superseded by new versions of themselves. Yeah. Um, Which don't transfer your previous games over even if they have emulated stuff in there, right? Like, if you bought virtual console stuff on the Wii... That's not just coming across to your Wii U. You've got to go. And There's a Wii channel that you load up. You that load the Wii emulator. That that, that you load the Wii emulator, yeah. and then you have to download your previous yeah. purchases inside the Wii emulator. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And like, yeah, the the, the freaking cab driver was complaining about that. He's like, I, the, I want to buy a PS4. He's like, but I, what do I do with all my PS3 games? I was like, well, keep the PS3. He's like, yeah, but I'm buying the new one. Like, but what do I do with those games? I was like. That's a good question. You man. trade like them all in so GameStop. You, you plug it into your Xbox One, and then you play it through the HDMI pass through. Oh, I'm so glad that one of the first things that people did was plug their Xbox One into their Xbox One. I know it's so funny because that was my dream of what you could do with that thing. Yeah, I'm sad they didn't put an Easter egg in though. It's a, it's a, a failure <laughs> of achievement unlocked. Yeah. They obviously can tell that it's doing it. They have to have some way of knowing. That I guess like the HDMI handshake that happens. Like yeah. I'm not sure. It must signal like what I, the device is. Maybe it doesn't have a device ID, but I thought that it would. But if it went Xbox One to Xbox One, and then the achievement icon <laughs> itself also just cascaded infinitely down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. Before we move off that, I would just want to cut out a, a quick uh, Before we remark. transition. Oh, you want to talk about yeah, Wajidai? Yeah. I just want to say that um, speaking of Wajidai, the developer that you mentioned, um, they are... Uh, I think are just about to, it may have either, probably maybe by the time you heard this, it's already out. There's a new version of uh, their adventure game, The Shiva, 
which I talked about on Idle Thumbs probably like four years ago or, or five years ago on Idle Thumbs. Oh, by the way, uh, happy dishonored five-year anniversary of Idle Thumbs podcast, Jake. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah. Uh, we missed it by a month. Um, the, uh, that game, The Shiva, is about – it's like – The Shiva? The Shiva, yeah. It's about a like a rabbi and it's kind of a like a murder mystery thing. Uh, it's, it's really, really good, I think. And they're putting out a new version with <laughs> high-resolution graphics, which means <laughs> – uh, like, it's still 320 by 200. Yeah, it's basically like VGA rather than like EGA or whatever it was before. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> looks like it, it looks like it went from late 80s adventure game to early to mid 90s adventure yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. It's like, but it's know, on it's Steam like, now also. It's kind of like used Monkey Island 1 to Monkey Island 2. Yeah. Maybe in terms I would, of like. I wouldn't even go that far. Okay. Well, sure. You get the idea. Yeah. Um, but it's on. I, I noticed it on Steam when we were um, just hanging out before the podcast, and I like that game. Actually, I think now that you said that, just without knowing this knowledge, that's good because then there's no like uh, like presuppositions of the cabal. But I think they actually gave us a couple of Steam codes oh, that we can give that. out. Okay, cool. So if you actually if you're interested in it, just send an at reply to us on Twitter, and the first couple of people that do, I'll send a code out to you. Okay, cool. Yeah, those guys do good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dave Gilbert. That's right. That's. Yeah. Named for two notable LucasArts game developers, which always annoys the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Maybe we should take a break for a minute. Or unless you had something to say, Chris. I was going to talk about XCOM a little bit. You want to do it now? Sure. Chris, I heard you've been playing that new (laughs) XCOM game. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't have a lot more to say about it, but I did play it a little more after. So, again, we're recording this podcast like five days before you're hearing it, so... I wish I had had more time to continue playing more of this XCOM game. It was the best, though, because last last week you were like, oh, I've hardly played any XCOM. I've played like two minutes of it, and I keep dying in Spelunky. And then like the next day you were like, oh, there's all this crazy stuff in XCOM, and I fucking wrecked Spelunky on my next playthrough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I literally went home after we recorded the, the most recent episode of Idle Thumbs, and I sat down to do the daily challenge, and I fucking got all the way through hell for the first time. And then on my first visit to Yama, the like additional uber boss of that game i beat him it was fucking intense like i i like fully fully beat the like crazy like the ending of that game in a daily challenge like having never even gotten through hell before um which is not to say i'm like the best player because my my next two games my (laughs) the following two games i've had since then i died on like level one one and i think one three respectively do you think part of that is because like once you when you go into the new area you have like so little expectations that you don't overthink it and that you just sort of like purely Um, respond and then you're able to get further as a result well when i was fighting yama i i went in with like nine health which is you know a pretty pretty good amount of health in that game all right i saw you had like eight million bombs and a huge shitload of health by the time you got yeah yeah but i i had like nine health and then I lost eight health fighting him because I just had no idea what I was doing. Like, I didn't know what the strategy was to fight him because I'd never even gotten to him before. And so I just got my ass kicked. And then on my last health, I just went into the fucking zone. And I'm just like, I can't take any more damage. Like, I cannot take any more damage. I have to, like, everything I just learned from losing eight health in a row, I have to, like, observe those patterns and and internalize them right now. Uh, because I would be really pissed at myself if I just got here and then just lost nine health and just died. Um, 
and and I, I I somehow pulled it off, which I was really happy about. But but anyway, um, so anyway, you can watch that if you want on the Splunky at uh, SplunkyExplorersClub.com because I I stopped posting that for weeks because I was got kind of dispirited. Although I still did the challenge every single day and put it on my YouTube channel, but uh, I put that run up there. Anyway, so XCOM. Of course you did. Yeah, well, yeah, goddamn right I did. Um, uh, I I still need to play a lot more of this because um, it's uh, a big expansion. Like it's 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 cool because it's uh, it feels like how Firaxis does save expansions, where you know it's not it's not like what an it's not like what a modern conception. So there's kind of two major modern conceptions of DLC, and one of them is like little kind of microtransaction-y things, and then one of them is like a, like a standalone like level or like a horde mode or or like a mini campaign Blood or Dragon. yeah right something like that with whereas a traditional kind of Firaxis style campaign in the style of like a civilization or not campaign a civilization expansion um is like except that it just like rolls into the game right? yeah it just really bulks up the game across all axes you know so it just it just makes the game fuller in every dimension and i it's it's really cool because it just gives me an excuse um like I've had, uh, like I remember when um, the DLC for uh, Human Revolution, Deus Ex: Human Revolution, came out. I I forget which one it was, but I like I loaded it up. The missing link. Yeah, was that the one with the, all the crates on the ship? On ship? Yeah. yeah, and I loaded it up. That was like one of my favorite games of last year, right? And I loaded it up, and or whenever it came out, and it's two years ago, I think. Two, uh, weird, and um, and I hadn't played it in months, you know, and I beat the game twice the first time, and I'm just like I'm just running around in crates, and this is just kind of not good compared to the main game. So it didn't it didn't bring back like the awesome feeling I had from playing the game. It was right. kind of a bummer, you know. Whereas, because just in in part because of the kind of game it is, I load up, and because of how Firaxis chose to do the expansion, um, I load up the the uh, XCOM Enemy Within um, DLC, you know, so to speak, and I get kicked right back to the beginning. Of the, I start a new game, and I'm at the beginning of the game, and I'm like, oh, I'm back, like. It's this, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And I still get that same feeling of like the cool arc that game has, but there's like all these new things around every corner. So it's like absolutely the best of both worlds because I get that familiarity of going, diving back into this system that I've, I just haven't even touched in a long time. So it's familiar in that respect, but it's not, but it's, it's not overly familiar. Like I'm still, right from the very first mission, like there's already a new resource in the top corner. And I'm like, that's interesting. Oh, there's a crazy new enemy that I've never seen before. Like there's, it, it creates the sensation that was cool about playing that game the first time, which is you just don't know all the things that are going to happen to you. Um, well, it's cause the enemies are unknown. It, well, this time they're within. So, oh, right. They yeah. were there. That's right. They were unknown yeah. last time. When you launch the executable from steam, it gives you an option to, as to whether you want the enemy to be unknown or within. Mm. So <laughs> you choose. Okay. I've been opting uh, for the enemy to be within this week. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, se- it seems like it probably, you know, XCOM or, you know, any game in general, like you sort of adopt a certain set of strategies and then you can, it's very easy to rely on those as a crutch just because if the game doesn't push you to do anything other than that, yeah. why wouldn't you continue to do that? Sure. And, in XCOM with an expansion like that, I'm sure, you know, I, would, I haven't played it yet, but I would have to imagine the new elements at least, you know, when you go to rely on your crutch, hopefully if there are enough new elements, it forces you to yeah. try new strategies. Well, so I've actually, yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I have sort of two things to say about that. One of them is that I realized, I have, I realized like last night when I was playing that I was playing, I, I wasn't diving far enough into the new stuff. Like the, 
they added um, like genetic modification and like mechanical aug- augmentation stuff and uh, like mech suits and all that. Sweet. Yeah, Steve will enjoy it greatly when he gets back to Portland. Um, you can make a, a cyborg man. Uh, and I, you know, you need to build like the facilities to build that stuff and you have to research it. You have to invest in it because it's not, again, like in this kind of expansion, it's not like it's just an extra bonus thing that you get now. It's like, no, it's part of the game. You stuff to make that decision of risk versus reward, like which ones do you want to actually invest in and which ones do you not. And I just kind of started playing the way that I always played, which is like buying the buildings that I bought before. And I'm realizing now I should just start over because I should just try a totally different thing. But then on the other side of that, like the, you know, the, the, uh, with respect to using tactics and strategies that I'm already familiar with, one of the really cool things is there's a new kind of enemy that's kind of this floating squid thing that like uh, warps into view and constricts your guys. And one of the, you know, I remember a complaint some people had about the game is that it really encourages slow movement and like putting everyone on Overwatch a lot and being really careful. That's Whereas, what I did. That's something I actually love. I, I love that the game, because it made it feel like a really tense, cautious, like tactical situation where, you know, it, it's it, like an actual tax squad that is really, they don't move forward unless they know the sector, current area is clear. And like it, you know, that's the kind of thing that games like Call of Duty often try to replicate, but it's all just sort of canned. Whereas I like that in XCOM, it's like mechanically, um, it feels like there's actually to your benefit. To there's a reason to be conservative. Real. Yeah. And, and so there's a new enemy type that the squid thing that kind of warps into view. There's this and new like, enemy type, the squid thing. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. Seeker maybe. Anyway, uh, it like will pop up into view. It'll like decloak and then immediately like start constricting one of your guys. Hmm. And the first time I ever saw one of the first, I saw it like off in the distance and I'm like, whoa, what's that? I'd already like forgotten that. I was playing like an expansion, not because I hadn't seen new things, but just because I was back in that like classic mind space of like, oh yeah, here I am back in XCOM. And most of the new things I'd seen until that point were sort of passive things or like resources and like metals. Oh, the new metals are great. Like it's a new way to sort of further customize your. And you also have to like, in order to get that stuff, you have to like send a guy out. Like you have to recover them from bodies or is that a different resource? No, that's a different, uh, you took your thing of the meld where you have these, there's like, uh, kind of like pylons you have to capture, I think, maybe with what you're thinking of. But anyway, um, uh, um, 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 so the this like – Oh, squid, the squid guy. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So the squid thing, squid thing, the first time I encountered it, first it was like far off and I'm like, oh, shit. And then it just like, you know, winked out of of sight and I'm like, oh, shit, what's going oh, on there? winked at and you. Then, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bing. Nice mask. <laughs> nice mask. <laughs> uh, and then like next turn, I put all my guys on Overwatch because I'm kind of, you know, I'm wary. And it pops up, like, uh, and immediately constricts one of my guys. And then all three of my other guys just, like, swing around and fire shotgun blasts, like, point blank. And the thing just immediately drops. And I'm like, that was awesome. Like, that was such a crazy, like, you know, I mean, obviously I've like, had since then. Intense I've, Overwatch justified. Like, yeah, that moment yeah, yeah, is yeah. really good. Yeah. And, I mean, since then I've had all kinds of different other experiences with that enemy type. Mm. But, like, it was a really, it was a cool introduction because first it was, like, enigmatic and I didn't know what to expect. And then it was like this thing that I already had sort of internalized, like ended up gelling with that behavior in like a really rewarding way. It was just, it was cool. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I'm, lo- I'm still looking forward to getting more into the um, like augmentation stuff because I, I haven't done that very much. But that, that stuff is cool. The new uh, resource type, I like how you have to like capture it deliberately. Um, I've started to get into the like, fighting other humans, little subplot thing, which Mm. is interesting. Um, 
and the medals I like a lot. I like that uh, like each medal has two abilities and you have to choose one of the two. It's exclusive. So you okay. you choose an ability for the medal and then that's it forever. You can assign it to a guy. And then if that guy or lady dies, you can then reassign that medal to someone else. But as long as they stay alive, you can never like revoke their medal. Like they have right. it forever, um, which makes sense. And uh, so it's just, it's just one more dimension to kind of specialize your squad, which is cool. So all the things that I've encountered in it so far, I like a lot. It seems like a really, really good piece of piece of uh, of content. Does it, does it address like the sort of rush to building satellites and that like still a, seems very present? Okay, yeah, I was I was hoping that, I, I, well, maybe, I don't maybe that this seems like sort of fundamentally baked into the design of the game, but yeah, it is one so, of those things that you know you learn very quickly when you play your first time, like yeah. what you're supposed to do. But it, it seems like it maybe would be a little frustrating the second time around that you right. have to kind of so scale let me, that let way. So let me, like, disclaim my answer because it doesn't – as far as I can tell, it doesn't change the fundamental mechanic of how satellites work. But for all I know, maybe they've they've tweaked the, like, balance curves of how uh, panic people get or, like – you know what I mean? There's right, a million right. Sure, things sure, sure, sure. they could have changed behind the scenes to so, address that that I'm not yeah. – I haven't played it deeply enough yet to perceive – you know how how different that is. So I, mm. the answer to your question is I actually don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. So, it's but I, cool. I agree with you. That was an awkward thing. It's cool and weird that this game is popular enough to justify an expansion pack of this scope. I know, and they marketed it a lot. Apparently, that's I mean, weird. it seems like they must have been confident in it. You said on console, it's just a completely separate disc. Yeah, that seems weirder. On Steam, it's like a no-brainer. It's like I think it's like a twenty dollars. Does that sound right to you? $20? Yeah, it's. I believe they when I talked to them, it was like a uh, a size requirement. Like it was just a restriction of the network oh, on the services. Consoles. On the consoles, is more expensive. It's like thirty or thirty or because it, because they can't. It's not just DLC. It comes with both. Like they had to sell it as a. So oh, right, it comes, it's it, comes, like, it, comes with, it comes with unknown and within. As and I mean, within to, on console is like a game of the year edition or something, yes. right? Why couldn't they just sell it as just the new stuff as a content patch? Was it too big? It, for it, DLC? it was too big for DLC. Oh, like it was. It was literally an infrastructure problem. That, wow, like, what a dumb reason! Like, what is? It's really stupid. Like, all, both those things are like lifted and changed on the new consoles, but yeah, okay. like t- because the pro- a lot of the problem with those machines, uh, like right, the network infrastructure, drive space and stuff. Well, you can't count on that. And then once you start changing that, if that stuff is hard coded into old games, it starts breaking old games you know like what i had heard like a lot with like the reason that they never changed like the hundred um like hundred person oh, friend right, cap on xbox yeah, yeah, yeah. is because it would break old, old multiplayer games right, that only right. know to look for 100 friends so is that right There's, i think they i remember them well, fixing that no no that never got changed in xbox live it was always 100 well, what friends about now? now yeah now it's like on xbox one you can have thousands like of friends oh, okay, yeah. good, good, good. um but that's I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what a goofy i don't really care but i mean there's people for whom that is important. Yeah. 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 Mm. Hmm. Games. Now should we now take a break we can for a take second? A break. And then we should read some reader mail. All right. Yeah. For you, Patrick. All for me. Video games. Do I want to come back? You know. Are us. you back? Come back, Chris. We're back. <gasps> yes. <gasps> you heard it. Games. Here. Hey. First. <gasps> Well, I mean, not really. You but. heard it here first. Games. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I prefer... We're here way. live from the Best Buy line. <laughs> God. There's a Best Buy like two blocks away from us. Games, you heard it here first is like the Games <laughs> Council's ad campaign for <laughs> something. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, before we go into reader mail, I want to bring up a quick thing I forgot I've about... Games, you heard but, it here first. Oh, ga- games. It's games. Uh, that I forgot to Bronze mention Dream. about XCOM Enemy Within. 
which is that they did a really cool thing, which is they basically just took all of their localized um, voices from all the different languages and they added in a checkbox where you can say soldiers speak in the language of their nationality. Yes. Whoa. That's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes. So cool. That's I saw really that good. like just by chance. Like, I don't remember if this was in – so that that option I know is new, but – it was part of a like larger menu that I don't remember called Second Wave that it seems like they might have added for this game. Um, I'm not just other modifiers like that, or what's yeah, there's the... just a bunch of modifiers. Like one of them is called Save Scum, and it's and it's every time you load a game, it it uh, it swa- it changes the like random number generator seed, so you can't do the thing where you like load up a save and then know you're going to get the same result. So, oh, right. like, so when you load the save, like a guy who previously moved left would make a different decision or whatever. Yeah. Or just the level will be generated differently. Oh, or right. like okay, your hit saying. percentages wouldn't, would roll yes. differently. You know, like just all that stuff would, that's would, really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, for access for whatever reason has like their games have always been susceptible to that kind of like really min maxi saves coming. So I'm glad they put in an option to disable that. Um, and there's just a bunch of other cool options that are just, they're not most of them are not explicitly like difficulty like harder easier things yeah like there's like kind of flavory things that are really cool that's awesome um, and the language one is the one that was most exciting to me because that was something that did kind of annoy me about the original game like in the tutorial of the when i say original game i'm referring to enemy uh on uh, xcom enemy unknown but um when I say the original game, I'm referring to XCOM. I mean, uh, Enemy Unknown. I mean, uh, I know, yeah, what yeah. Xbox One. X- I'm referring X- to like the ninth game that's been called XCOM since you know 1992 or whatever. Um, but um, you know, in the tutorial of that game, there's like a uh, there's a, a one of your soldiers. She has a Japanese flag on her uniform, but like you know, she just talks in English like all the other right. soldiers on your squad. And you know, the tutorial is. In the game, all that stuff is randomly generated, obviously, but, uh, you know, what nationality of your soldiers you get and so on. But in the tutorial, it's always the same. Like, that stuff's hand-authored. And it really bothered me that that it was just, just lady speaking English, but right. why did she have a Japanese flag? I just, <laughs> just, just seemed kind of silly, you know? Um, so I really was, uh, I strongly approved of that option being added, and I immediately turned it on. Man, I forgot until right now that we met Julian Gallup at that event. I know, event. how crazy is that? We hung out with him a lot. It was the best. There was this event called like the Gaming, Gaming Insider Summit. Summit. We did talk about the summit a bit. Yeah, we did talk about the summit. We went there like a month ago or two mm-hmm. or something. About a month but, ago, yeah. But one of the guys who was there was Julian Gollop, who was the guy who was the like creative director, the, the project XCOM. lead guy of the yeah, programmer, he, the actual just the designer, program designer, whatever it is, the man who was the guy in charge of the game when they, it was a tiny yeah. team, but of, X, of the original XCOM, and it was he was cool. Yeah, he was a really cool guy, and like we we. Uh, we met him at like a dinner the night before, and we yeah. hung out that night, and then also the next day at the conference. And uh, he didn't I seem felt to really know. Lucky. He didn't seem to know entirely why he was there, which was a bummer. But uh, he he didn't feel like an insider. Well, the the event was more. Um, it was more heavily attended by like people from the kind of free to play and mobile space. So it was sort mm-hmm. of just a different crowd. Like it sure. felt like a different crowd than like going to GDC. Or well, I mean, GDC has that as well. But GDC has like pockets of all that stuff, whereas this was more just like yeah. When you go to the what, what do they call the the postmortem? Are they just called postmortem talks at GDC? Uh-huh. The ones where they have like the classic ones. Yeah, like, the classic. The people that are showing up to that are very clearly there to like you know this is a game they love. They want to know yeah, like what the design, designers have to say, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was a really cool guy, and he's working on a new version of his game Chaos that sounded pretty cool. And he was talking about a bit. Yep. Yeah, so Sorry, awesome. I completely 
when, no, no, when, that was a good, when you said like no. that original X that, was that came good, out all those years ago, just I was like straight <gasps> up a brag to bring up. We got that whatever. Sorry, it was, it was <laughs> no, an amazing I, thing. To, I totally approve. to meet that guy, and then because a lot of people's badges had like weird business names on them or something, and his said Julian Gallup. XCOM. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh man. What? From the well, publication well, first, XCOM. Well, he first, said they just put it there. He's like, I didn't like write that. They just put it there. Yeah, because at first I was like, okay, is this some guy who like, because I didn't know his name as a, as a designer uh, of uh-huh. XCOM. And I was like, is this just like some shitty like biz dev middleware thing that just happens to be called XCOM that doesn't have anything to do with that. This guy's just here. And then he was like, oh, I was creator of the game yeah. XCOM. Well, I, met him, I, I was met like, him, Yeah, I met him at that dinner. I was coming, I did, I, I did know his name for sure. And like, I was coming back from the bathroom and I passed by him and he's like, oh, where's the bathroom? And I'm like, oh, it's over here. And I just kind of glanced down and I'm like, what? Maybe the actual, like the actual guy? And he's like, yo, I guess. You know, he's very like mild mannered kind of English guy. And uh, I was really pleased about it. Yeah. And he was cool. And I, I, that was fun. I liked introducing the creator of XCOM to the creator of the Kingdom of Loathing. Like that was a, a oh, right. pair yeah, of yeah, people yeah, yeah. who I did not think probably would meet normally, but it was fun. Yeah, that was cool. Anyway, God, uh, I also met. I also talked with a while, for a while with Chris Roberts, who made Wing Commander, and like the most successful crowdfunded game fucking ever. Twenty five like, million. Like 25 I think million they're right. Yeah, yeah, and he was a really cool guy too. Um, so that was yeah, super awesome. nice, super passionate, like. Yeah. When you, when I saw Star Citizen a couple like six or eight months ago when they just were about to get ready to do the Kickstarter, like yeah, just really really nice guy, like just super genuine and like I yeah. When you look at that game, when you when they've broken down how much individual backers and like the high end are paying for that game, like it's oh it's bonkers. It's, I know. It's totally I think they have the highest per backer of like anything. Oh, they in must. History. They like, must. Yeah. People paying like tens of thousands of dollars oh into God. that game, like just crazy when I was numbers. at, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast. I, I did a keynote address at um, the Boston Festival of Indie Games. I, I I may have mentioned that. I can't remember. But the thing I don't think I mentioned was that uh, I was, you know, I had like a bunch of press booked where I just, you know, um, people from various places like interviewed me throughout the day and the, one of them was one of my interviews was with it was crazy so it was a bunch of so I went into a room they're like here's here's your next interview like it's in here and I go in and it's like three guys and they have this crazy like super pro like you know radio like setup and I'm like whoa this is they like toted this out to this they just like brought this to this like room. It was on the MIT campus, so they just like loaded all this shit up to like a small classroom in MIT and set it up. And uh, and I'm like, oh, weird. And I'm like, oh, who are you guys from? I'm like, oh, we do a podcast that uh, is for the Star Citizen community, and our hope is to become the like in-universe radio station in the ships in Star Citizen, like when that game goes live. But like in the meantime, what? they just yeah they just produced this like super you know uh, like well recorded show every week. Did you guys just talk about like Wing Commander? No, we just talked about. I mean, they just we just talked about like what my talk was about and like oh, so it was just a totally just, normal. Like, I thought they were going to try and make you do like an in universe no, interview. Well, that, I was like, Commander Remo. Yeah, no. Well, I was freaked out. I'm like, look, like I backed this. I backed this game, and like I'm looking forward to it. But like I'm definitely not prepared. Like I, you know, I'm not. 
like deep into that community. Like I'm not prepared right. to like just. You talk. gave your money and then you check back yeah, in later. Like I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly. Like when they when they're farther along, I'll, that's I'm totally fine. Um, and they're like, oh no, like we're just we just have this show. Like we talk about like what do you want to talk about? And I, <laughs> it was and we ended up talking that's, about that's actually really cool. Yeah, like, like halfway through the interview, really I think I'm just like I want to talk about just what you guys are doing. This is like the craziest thing. And then I brought it. I brought that up to Chris Roberts. Um, like at the uh, at the Gaming Insiders thing, and I'm like, I was interviewed by people who are who are like, They're, they have more professional recording equipment than we do. For yeah, our and they just want to be a radio station like inside your game. And he was saying, you know, stuff like that is, you know, is, is really the the reason they've done so well with their crowdfunding is because the people in their community are so invested into that universe and are so into. Um, just the overall spirit of the thing and like you know like I like that they're making content for each other like that reminds really me cool. actually of the community that showed up right like in the months before Star Wars the Phantom Menace showed up oh I don't I wasn't aware of that I don't think it was fucking nuts like there were because like, remember way. Uh, there were those people who were camping out outside of mm-hmm. uh, man's Chinese theater in Hollywood and like that was like the the big line for yeah. the Phantom Menace but those guys which was that was in was that like 99? 99 was that movie, I think. That was in 1999, but what th- those guys were running a live television station out of the line that they were brought – like they were streaming <laughs> oh, at like full SD quality, which was a lot for that point because I was when sure. people were just getting cable modems where you could just tune in and just watch them just interview people, stream fan films. Like they were making fucking featurettes about the fan community, about – it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but that – like that sort of shit – ended up making this ripple that got bigger and bigger. And I think that's probably part of why the internet as it stood in 1990. I mean, obviously it was Star Wars and it was the first Star Wars that came yeah. out in a long time. But people, it created the vortex that you could get, you were already excited about fucking new Star Wars movie, the worst mistake you ever made. <laughs> and you would find that stuff and it would just create momentum within you that would spin you up more and more and more and more until you for some fucking reason wanted to camp out for the Phantom Menace 2. Or also like someone makes the first step and then it sort of like legitimizes the idea of getting engaged Right, it's like it's, it's fine to be obsessed with this because look at these people are doing it. Yeah. And it sort of becomes like it self-perpetuates. And yeah, just like I mean I, what you're saying Chris is just they they make content for themselves but like that yeah. it, it does end up just compounding on itself over and over again because then people get engaged just because of that stuff, like just the right. sheer volume of that yeah, yeah, insanity. Totally. I, and just because um, I wanted to give these guys a shout out, I guess, I looked up what their podcast is and it's called uh, Beyond the Horizon. Uh, and like, yeah, they... That's a good space radio name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beyond the Horizon Radio brought to you by DJ Blue Streak. They all introduce themselves by like their pilot call signs. Um, anyway, that was, a, that was a crazy thing. That's so awesome. Why on earth did I bring that up? Because we're talking about the game. Oh, we talked we're about, talking about our career as gaming insiders. We're basically just being <laughs> big name droppy uh, yeah. jerks. Replace all last names with Kasavin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, you want to do some reader mail? Yeah. Well, let's find some reader mail from you. We can do listener mail. We can do some listener mail from you, the readers. No, let's just do, let's do reader mail. <laughs> okay, back to reader mail. I call the readers listeners when uh, when disparaging, when being disparaging. <laughs> uh, Michael Au writes, hey, just started listening to the podcast, and I like what I hear so far. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm not so sure. far. Yeah. I'm That's not menacing. Sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes, idle thumbs. Um, I'm not sure if I'm writing the correct email, but I wanted to say something about the long reader mail from episode 132. I just don't want you guys to be misinformed. Zoe talked about the fighting game community, and I thought some of the things she said were not exactly correct. I'm not sure what she means by the community being less pronounced. 
She goes on later to say that it is big, so maybe it's just part of writing on a phone. But if she means Smash in particular, then there was a dip in the past. But the funding community as a whole is bigger now than before and continues to grow, Smash included, thanks in part to the recent Evo. And while I agree there is in, there is infighting between sub-communities, Blaze Blue's lack of representation in tournaments is not so much due to better net play, it's that it's a relatively small community combined with the infighting. Some guys really, and I mean really, don't like anime fighters. We could take a PC game like League of Legends or StarCraft, and I've heard people say StarCraft is dying, uh, but I think it has more to do with League of Legends growing. Blaze Blue, I believe, had a good turnout at this year's Evo. It had most of the big-name players, but since it wasn't on the main stage, it might have had a smaller turnout than the last when it was a main feature, so it's going to look even smaller next to Street Fighter Four. That's all I wanted to point out. Hope I don't write too much and don't sound like a douche. Thanks for reading, Michael. Um, interesting. So it seems like his second point about Bla- Blaze Blue, like that could be kind of a chicken and the egg thing because he's saying it's part of it is that it's due to it's a relatively small community but it seems like that in turn could be the result of you know any number of other factors anyway interesting uh perspectives from another person who knows more about this stuff than we do yeah (laughs) suppose i've I've only watched uh the first part of it but there is this really crazy documentary yes yeah we've talked okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. we talked that like spurred out of that yeah we talked about the documentary called the smash brothers and then a reader wrote in a couple weeks ago that was just like oh if you think that's interesting here are all these other weird uh like subcultures yeah it was an amazing email semi underground to completely like 30 people ever really knew about this online multiplayer communities that i've accidentally sort of been a part of and then started seeking out it sounded like this was yeah. super fascinating like i had the greatest time she back started, in april she, when i went to iceland for like the eve online fan fest of which i know nothing about eve online but just being like like at the center at the heart of like the hardest of the hardcore like it's really subculture is really interesting even if like you have no interest in becoming a yep. part of it but just seeing why people are drawn to them is is really cool zoe that person who wrote in she wrote in last week with some other stuff as well, but then she started a Tumblr, apparently. Mm-hmm. This is ZoeEvelInHeart.tumblr.com. I just yeah. found it. Um, yeah, so check that out. She's, it looks like she's putting up a thing right now about uh, Diablo II Iron Man. Uh, I will want to read that. Um, all right, so what else do we have here? Um, uh, Time Dilation Dude says, Dear Thumbs, I've been falling asleep while listening to Idle Thumbs lately. Sweet. And that resulted in hearing you guys talking in a lot of dreams, even yes. if they have nothing to do with Idle Thumbs or games. And I was wondering, is what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing the actual podcast coming through the headphones while I'm asleep, or if I'm making it up? I can't figure it out for sure because I can't control F the rant I remember from the dreams and a bunch of MP3s. Today I woke up, I remember the certain podcast intro. The part where you talk about covering talking about game and included covering all games that sounded like video James. Is it of thrones? So I checked the beginning of all the episodes, and it wasn't there. So I made it up. There's no question in here. I just thought it's weird that I have memory got, memories of you guys talking about stuff, and it didn't even happen. Thanks for the podcast, Real and Imaginary. Those are the weirdest moments when you fall asleep on the radio's on when yeah. someone's talking, and then their conversation just goes, yep. and just turns into something yep. else in your brain. Then yeah. you go. The absolute weirdest for me <laughs> is when I'm falling asleep listening to something, and then I wake up, and it's just in the middle of someone talking. Like this, this weirdly happened to me when I was listening to This American Life recently, and the story was about this kid who has this very strong memory of a teacher he encountered in high school who, to his memory, like, dude, he like plagiarized an essay, and it was his belief that because she thought that plagiarized essay was so good, she like recommended him for a private school, and like, he ended up going to. I was don't this know, on the moth? 
No, it was on This American Life. Oh, sorry. Um, and uh, like just had this huge, crazy upward swing in his life. And it turned out it was like she was like, no, no. I like he was an amazing student for months and months. And like he was nothing to do with like this weird one off essay. And it like completely destroyed his entire like not destroyed, but it was like he refused to like believe her her account because it like messed with his opinion of like how the universe worked. He's like, no, everything is like random chance. And like, I didn't deserve anything. And like, blah, 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 blah. Um, but anyway, I fell asleep while listening to that and then woke up in the middle of it, in the middle of this thing about like perception right. being unreliable and started like, I was like freaking out because it was in a part of the podcast where they're like, is it an angel? Like, who was this woman? Did she even exist? And like, the you know, for like 30 seconds, the reporter posits that like he may have just made up this woman before they tracked her down. And I woke up in the middle of it. I didn't remember what I was listening to. And it was like, where did she come from? And I like, <laughs> like, what is happening? And then I fell asleep again. And I woke up the next day and I'm like, what the fuck was all that going on in my brain? <laughs> so anyway. Good. Yeah. I don't think that was – I don't think that episode of This American Life exists actually. <laughs> I've listened to every This American Life and there's definitely nothing about any of those. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, episodes. Captain Invictus writes, um, I'm that hat guy who spoke to Chris on something awful about the Valve virtual economies. Yes. Uh, while Counter-Strike Go is pretty new to the scene, Dota 2 and especially TF2, which set the stage for all that followed, have been around for years. And the changes and fluctuations in them have been fascinating to watch both for outsiders and for someone who's knee-deep in hats. Apologies for not saying this. Okay, whatever. Um, a user discovered what is basically a massive money laundering scheme by the Russian mafia using TF2 keys. Yeah, I've heard about this. I, I don't know about this. So early in the system, when Manco supply crate keys were 250, and that was that, suddenly a bunch of keys started showing up at 125 to 150, far cheaper than anything else. He's talking about uh, cost here, like $1.25 yeah. to $1.50. Um, scammers would hijack accounts and then use stolen credit cards to buy as many keys as possible, then sell them as fast as possible for PayPal to get 100% clean, legit money. Meanwhile, most folks who bought the said keys got nailed by Valve uh, while they investigated for potentially being scammers themselves. The actual scammers never got caught. The hardcore ones have hundreds of accounts they've purchased from various websites that actually sell old, unused, abandoned Steam accounts for whatever purpose you need them for in bulk. The way Steam's account recovery system worked was that if account got if an account got hijacked and cleaned out, Valve wouldn't bother recovering the items. They just created a duplicate of the entire backpack. This starts becoming an issue when someone such as Maddie, the owner of the second most valuable backpack in TF2, nearly $45,000 worth by value, um, gets hijacked and suddenly all of his incredibly rare or one-of-a-kind items gets duped and spread into the rest of the economy or possibly kept by a hijacker to then dupe themselves or by abusing the account recovery system with a network of people. Apple earbuds are from an old promotion where logging into TF2 on a Mac got you a pair of earbuds, and they've become the de facto currency on the TF2 economy. The $20 bill, if you will. It's this good. is exactly like the Stones of Jordan in yeah, Diablo it's because, 2. It's because there's a fixed yeah. number of them. Because, yeah, yeah. Except for duping, I imagine. And an, but enough guys. to be like a viable, yeah. 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 After the promo ended, there were roughly thirty to 35,000 earbuds, earbuds amongst players. But due to rampant duping and account hijacking, there's nearly 80,000 public accounts alone now. That's, again, is exactly what happened with the Stone of Jordan. It was originally because it was like... It, it wasn't technically fixed, but it grew at such a low rate that it was kind of like currency in that respect. The but then people it. started duping the shit out of it and it got devalued. Anyway, um, this is more than double the original number and it's like printing money. It's entirely possible for a hijacker to set up a dummy account over time, filling it gradually with extremely high value items. And then the account mysteriously gets hijacked and poof, suddenly he's got double the items to sell for very little work. 
One fellow I knew, who Rob, who was literally in line to take control of the entire TF2 reputation system, and one of the most trustworthy sellers I knew before he fell from grace, is now a fence for Steam account hijackers. Hijackers came to him quickly to offload their ill-gotten gains for cheap, and he disseminate those items through a trickle-down mixture of dummy accounts and real people, so Valve couldn't simply ban them all without causing a shitstorm. He has over 100 expendable Steam accounts, has learned Russian so he can converse with scammers and hijackers he fences for, as well as legitimate Russian traders who, who sell things for much cheaper than the rest of the world's traders, and is basically the Darth Vader of internet hat trading. I don't care if that's fake. <laughs> that's the best thing. Last time I spoke to him, he'd be turning over hundreds of duped earbuds alone for $5 e- profit each, sometimes making over a 1000 profit in a couple days. A thousand, yeah. He said that after a couple of months, he'd pulled in $35,000 from this alone, far more than when he was a legitimate trailer, uh, trader. One, infam- one infamous hijacking was of a user who had exploited a quickly fixed bug to create vintage quality items that weren't supposed to be vintage and owned the only copies of these bugged items that existed. Rob got a hold of them and shortly after many dupes started showing up and now the prices of these, most were 500 to $1,500, have largely cratered. Vintage items that were dupable that weren't supposed to be dupable. I think one of those might be <laughs> uh, one of the Poker Night team items, but whatever. Oh, crazy. Um, before abandoning his main account, he told me he wanted to do two things. Burn this stupid hat economy to the fucking ground and build a Scrooge McDuck money bin with all the money he's getting from doing so. Uh, a major thing in the world of scumbag traders is the act of sharking. Some consider it a le- legitimate business tactic. Those people tend to have a gaping chest wound where their heart should be. Sharking is using a third-party website or program to find and identify targets with high-value items but little playtime or experience. Through some seriously gross social engineering and outright coercion, they'll pay next to nothing for an item that may be worth $20 or $2,000. There's been hundreds of examples of casual players who get lucky and unboxed an incredibly rare, unusual hat who traded it for a weapon or two worth a penny, if that, because they just didn't know it might be something special. When someone unboxes a high-tier unusual, there's websites that basically sound the alarm, and the sharks descend like vultures. Jesus. Weird. Desperately trying to get to it before anyone else can sucker the mark first. Valve doesn't do anything to tell people they've got something valuable, unfortunately, despite my best efforts. I had an encounter with a 13-year-old guy who bought a few keys for Halloween and unboxed a hat worth nearly $1,600, but I wasn't able to get to him before a shark suckered him out of it, then mocked him for being ignorant of his worth. It's basically fraud, as, as absurd as it all sounds. It's a really ugly economy underneath it with tons of lying and deceit. From what I've experienced, the high-value Dota item economy isn't any better. These are just a few examples. I can bring up other stuff, too. I haven't talked much about it. The stuff can get complicated, if not downright incomprehensible at times. Also, I bet the guy who paid $38,000 for a Dota courier is real mad that Valve was taking a big steamy dump over his purchases like a week later. Thanks for the laughs, guys. You and the Bombcast are my tag team of internet video game comedy podcasting goodness. Ah. We've, we brought in Patrick to have email this email me? read That to. sounds like a really interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys come out to PAX East, I'll grab a beer with you, but I wouldn't... Oh, wow, I see. He can't go to PAX East itself because the pass is sold out in five minutes. Um, cool. That's fucking nuts. That's, uh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I had heard some of the Russian stuff. The story but... of the crazy hat trader who broke bad is amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just, <laughs> what? Yeah. Good. Fucking good. Wow. If you're a listener to this podcast and have a fucking insane yeah. in-depth <laughs> breakdown of crazy of shit, <laughs> just write it and we'll read it. Yeah, I like this trend. <laughs> man, the the multiplayer madness and that, we, that's like two of the best emails we've ever fucking received oh, yeah. in this month. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, your scoop nose is sniffing. That's why well, I've, I've, I, I had a guy reach out to me that like explained <laughs> a lot of that 
like the, the the Russian side of that, like the yeah, but that's uh, that's way more like it's so I crazy. I thought that's where the story was gonna end. I was like, Hi, I've heard that one before, and then say, like, What the fuck are you <laughs> yeah. talking about? Yeah, oh man, good good fucking stuff. God, it's just Weird. unreal. Thank you for writing in after teasing that you should like. We saw on the Damn. that guy on a forum was like, These guys don't know fucking shit. There's crazy stuff going on, and then we're like, Please write in, and he yeah. didn't for weeks. Yeah, so. he was like, Well, it's kind of complicated. No, just write. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. Here's this essay. Oh, man. Uh, Is that it? Are we closing on that? I think, I think we, we, All right. we are. If you have a question for us, write us at questions at idlethumbs.net. If you have an amazing story about an obscure uh, underbelly of something related to video games. Tell us before you tell Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the I'm tr- okay with that. Yeah, the true scoops we all know. Is Steve Gator. Yes. Resides at Idle Thumbs. I'll take you scoops. That's fine. <laughs> Secondhand scoops, they call it. Yeah, <laughs> gross. Uh, oh yeah, that is, thanks, that is really gross. Thanks for thanks for being on though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I guess that's all we have to say. I guess yeah. You're, I was going to say you should come on again soon, but you're flying to another place that isn't here. I am. I should be back in a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. Give me the year stuff is going on, so I'll, uh, I will be back. You'll you'll fly. Well, what's in for the hot tip? What are your what are your game of the year? What's your goatee picks? Mario Three World. No, what <laughs> is it really for real? Oh, I don't know. I I have like a list. I mean, this year is really weird because it's. Uh, I'm not sure. If there's like one that stands out. There's just a lot of really games I really really loved, like Your Walk, Device Six. Like both of those are Smogo games. Like um, there's a lot of Brothers. Like there's a lot of really good stuff that like, I played this year. I don't know. I have a big list. Like the idea of like picking one is. I don't even like that concept to begin with. No, no, no. Well, I mean, when we did it, we just picked a bunch when we did our goodies. I like the idea of just picking like 10 and not picking an order. It's just here are 10 really great games that you should play. That's kind of how we ended up going, right, with ours? We did I think like half a dozen some, some years. Last, did, uh, the last one, the, I think we had a winner, but I don't know. No, think. it was the most recent one that we had a winner. We just, oh, right. We said it was Deus Ex 3. Oh, right. Was Goaty out of thumbs like 2011 or Yeah, oh, we didn't whatever. do one last year. Yeah. We yeah. only, every, every like two or three Every years, now and then, the Goaty.cx opens its doors. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do one this year. We should do one this year. What? For all those games we played? Were out of thumbs the know. authority on 2013 Goaty? I think it was, I always thought it was cool when we actually like, it's a pain in the ass to do it, but like once we were done, I always thought it was cool. Yeah, it's good. Because if we don't pick a winner, then it doesn't matter if we like, you know what I mean? Like we don't have to sure. be definitive about it. Just that's just, true. Yeah. Also, that domain name is probably the best goatee site that exists. It is obviously. So. It's a shit. It's a, such a shame that we waste it. Yeah. What a yeah. waste. Goatee.cx. Maybe we can make it into the goatee web ring with the best web ring art that's ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> Get some nice construction gifts in there. Right. Ugh, opening soon. Yeah. Frames or non frames? Well, there's frames. Just windows into <laughs> God knows what. Is it, yeah. There's Are we dis- still recording? Stressing iframe. All right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>Flange that weirdly. Was Chicago, Chicago Bulls? They're a good. They're a pretty decent basketball team. Right. It's sports <laughs> with your sports. At that, at, that, at, that, at that point, I was just trying to get the sports. You know, continue the sports analogies. It involves a ball. Right. It's sports. <laughs> it's sports.